Welcome to On The Rise, a podcast about female college tennis players on the way up. On The Rise serves compelling stories and unique voices in women's college tennis. This is your host, Perry Shiner. In this episode of On The Rise, I will be speaking with Duke senior Margarita Belokin, who was the nation's top recruit before joining the Blue Devils. Led by head coach Jamie Ashworth and assistant coach Michelle Dasso, Margarita and her partner were ranked top five in the country and were named All-Americans in 2021. This year, the Blue Devils are the number three seed in the NCAA tournament and are preparing to face Georgia in the round of 16. Hi, welcome to another episode of On The Rise podcast. I'm joined by Margarita Belokin from Duke Women's Tennis. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing today? I'm good. I kind of wanted to start off talking about how we met and how you came to New England. So when you arrived in New England, where did you come from? So originally, I'm from Ukraine. I got to move a lot when I was younger because of my dad's job. Um, I don't think I've stayed in the same place for more than like three or four years. So yeah, to the U.S. I came when I was 14 and I moved from Russia. Lived there for like three years before that. But before that, I was in Ukraine. Before that, I was in Canada. And then Russia before that and was born in Ukraine. So when did you start playing? I was six. Yeah. So I was in Ukraine at that point. And it was actually through my mom's close friend. He recommended the sport kind of to me. And I, I tried it out. And I guess I was pretty athletic. I, I swam. I drew. I sang. So I literally did everything. And and yeah, kind of stuck to tennis. So yeah, it's been 14 years. Wow. So once you started to move, you know, was tennis like the constant in your life? Like, did you have a coach the whole time or how did you do that? I switched coaches probably like every three, four years. But my mom has been with me pretty much the whole time. I don't know if you remember, but my mom has kind of been my my everything. Um, I've traveled with her and she she took me to tournaments and she's not a tennis player, but she kind of. She kind of worked as as my coach, I guess. But yeah, I definitely switched coaches every time I moved. So let's just go back one second to when you arrived in New England. So you hadn't played a USTA sanctioned tournament before when you first came? No, no, I haven't. Yeah, so I had to I had to go through the whole process of getting a membership and they obviously wouldn't let me play like higher levels. So I had to go through like level sevens, um, level sixes. So do you want to know what happened? Because through the grapevine, this is what I was hearing from before I met you. I was hearing, okay, there's this girl who's playing level seven since she's just playing to get the trophy. And I was like, you don't play a, a local tournament just to get the trophy. You play it because like you enjoy the sport and whatever. But you know, like, like it's not the most elite level of tennis. So I was like, you know, that's so not true. Yeah, it was just super, super frustrating because they wouldn't let me play. I, I had to like go through level seven and then like win that, then like move up to level six. They wouldn't let me play like level fives or level fours, especially. Well, which of course was vastly inappropriate because for, for those of us who are, who, you know, who will be listening to this, I just want to clarify the level seven is the lowest level and level one is the highest level with USTA sanctioned tournaments. So you should have been playing at level one or even higher. But you started at seven and they, as you said, they kept you at seven. So I kept hearing this again and again. And I was like, okay, why, 
why are they not letting this girl play higher? That was that was my reaction. But everyone else, they were like, yeah, she's just coming to win the trophy. <laughs> I was like, that's so not what's going on. And then, of course, you played at the level of the people that were saying that. And then you probably took about 20 minutes to beat them all in total, <laughs> which is very impressive. And then you left and then you left New England and you played at a higher level. So then after New England, where did you go? I stayed in, in Connecticut for maybe two years or something, played USDA tournaments. And then I I actually got an email from IMG. They were asking me if I wanted to come try out for a few days, see if I liked the academy. They I played Eddie Heard there and they they spotted me and then they reached out to me a few months later. And I was like, okay, sure. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try it out. It's a great place. Florida super warm compared to Connecticut. I went there, I liked it. I, I think they liked me. <laughs> And yeah, and then I started training there and I think I was there for two years probably. And then the next two I spent playing ITF tournaments, which are international tournaments. Did you ever feel quote unquote at home at any of your travels? I mean, it could go it could go either way. Like I can define it as yes, I'm from Ukraine, that's where my home is, or I could be like, all right, I'm from Connecticut, or it just I guess it really depends on what period of my life we're talking about. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so walking into IMG, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest tennis academy in the nation, and you know, one of the biggest in the world, probably. Did you feel like, okay, these people are taking tennis, you know, as seriously as I am? Or did you feel because coming from New England, obviously, we are not the mecca of tennis players, to say the least. But how did you feel when you walked in there? It definitely took me a little bit to adjust, just because I was living on my own. I was responsible for everything that I would normally get help from my parents. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely took a while to adjust, but thankfully it didn't, it didn't take too long. And um, as I got to know more people there and felt more comfortable with the place, friends, the coaching staff, just the staff in general and the environment, it was really, really good. And I did school online. So yeah, I was doing Florida virtual for the next few years. Those were your high school years or was that before? So I went to regular high school my freshman year and then the first half of my sophomore year. And then the rest of that was online. I just want to go back to New England for another second and say that first of all, I realized right away that you were at such, you know, an incredibly high level compared to the rest of us. And you took pity on me and you played doubles with me. And <laughs> that was, you know, some of the most fun I've ever had on the court. It was awesome for me. And we were sitting at sectionals at Harvard because it was held at Harvard. And remember, we were sitting on the steps in the squash court. And I asked you, when are you going to turn pro? And you said, I'm not. I want to play college tennis. And those words stuck with me because... Back in that day, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. I was like, wow, that's so crazy. And then it started to strike me. It was like, oh my gosh, you had the maturity to put school first when you were 13, 14. And since then, I mean, you've stuck to that. And now you're at one of the top institutions in the country for tennis and academics. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I've always valued education and my parents have always stressed the importance of school and just learning in general and to me learning is super fun so I I've always really really enjoyed it but yeah I, I ended up committing to to college pretty early it was 
beginning of my junior year. Yeah, and here I am. <laughs> was Duke the place that you always wanted? Yeah, I, I definitely wanted a good combination of school and academics. And I think Duke was the perfect place. So I didn't really hesitate when I committed here. I was going to commit without even visiting, actually. And then um, I visited and I was like, all right, this is it. And so between the time that we had that conversation in the Harvard squash courts to now, did you ever have doubts about your path about, you know, in terms of did you ever think about going pro or you stuck to that through and through? It, it was a very big risk to take by going straight pro and not just just based on other stories that I've heard and what other players have have been through. So for me, it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to do my best in tennis right now. but also, you know, have the opportunity to go to a university and get my degree from there. So it was kind of like, I'm going to do my best in tennis and then go to school. And if anything changes, you know, I I decide not to go to school. I have that option as well. It's so important for people to see like what, what you've done and what you have done for college tennis with your decision at such a young age, because I think for, you know, hopefully the perspectives are changing, but you are just such, you know, an amazing example for so many young women that college tennis is really, it really is for, for most players, the way to go. And it just opens up so many doors for you. And, you know, you just have this whole life ahead of you with your education behind you. So, I mean, congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. No, I mean, definitely has created so many opportunities for me that I wouldn't have gotten from, you know, just going straight into pro tennis or not coming to college. So yeah, huge, huge thank you to Duke. And it's been a great three years, one more to go. So we'll see where, where I end up in a few years. Awesome. Take me through the, the first year on campus because you're, you know, you're finally here at Duke, obviously having an incredible time on the court, but you know, off the court, what was it like? Did you, did you meet a lot of people off the team? You know, what, what is the culture like at Duke? Yeah. So for me, it was slightly unusual because I started school in the middle of the year. So I ended up jumping right into season. So I didn't really get that traditional like fall orientation, fall move in where you get to meet people in your dorm. It was kind of just like, all right, hi, like we have a match in a week and then it's just going to be nonstop after that. And you don't really have time to kind of step back and take a break it's kind of just all right you have to be on top of your schoolwork and you have to be on top of tennis and other responsibilities whatever that is yeah and coming in and coming right into season when obviously you're on the road all the time we basically live with our teammates in the spring did that make you rely you know kind of more on them socially just because that was your first semester in a college environment they were my biggest like social support that first semester and then and then after that, I like my best friend is not an athlete here at Duke. So definitely got to meet more people after that, get to know people outside of athletics and outside of my team. So it's been it's been really, really good. So in, in college, has your mom come up to see you play? Yeah, yeah. No, she she definitely has. Um, both of my parents have. And it's it's really nice to have them to have them here and supporting me and the whole team. In terms of your academics, you have chosen quite a path. You're going to be pre-med. How has that been, you know, to be pre-med and on the team? I think we talked about this, but you're the only one, you're the only pre-med, right? Yeah. So right now I'm I'm the only one who's pre-med on the team. From an outsider perspective, I had one teammate who was pre-med, um, one or two that, who were pre-med, but 
it just seemed like a, a near impossible task with the amount of hours that you have for lab and all the extracurriculars for your own academic path. It definitely requires a lot of time management. So I think that definitely helped a lot. And it took me a while to figure out how to plan my time and how to maximize it. But in terms of balancing everything, I don't think it was until like last semester or two semesters ago that I figured out how to fit in the social aspect of college life, sleep, studying, tennis, meetings. But I really enjoy it. And hopefully med school is next. What kind of doctor do you want to be? I want to go into surgery. Yeah. But then again, that's subject to change. I still got a while. And do you think that the skills that you've learned from being on the court, the skills to react, to stay calm under pressure, do you think that will translate to your career as a surgeon? Yeah. I mean, I I would hope so. I think being on a team and kind of being in a team of doctors and physicians, being able to handle situations under pressure, communication. I mean, there's so many valuable skills that I can learn from tennis and that I can apply to other aspects of my life and use later on in my career as a doctor. So, you know, coming into school, doing, you know, doing the thing, being a student athlete, and then, you know, kind of moving towards the end of it, will will it be a tough transition, do you think, you know, to move on from competitive tennis or or you think not really? Yeah, well, I the closer I get, the more I think about it. I still have a year left, so maybe more, who knows. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a change and a transition that I'm definitely going to have to think through, but I'm I'm very excited for the next chapter of my life whenever that's going to come. And I, I definitely still want to keep playing tennis after. My name is Margarita Balokin and I'm on the rise. And my name is Perry. I'm your host. And this has been another episode of On the Rise podcast. This has been an episode of On the Rise, a tennis channel podcast in partnership with Behind the Racket and produced by Molly Scholson. Join us next time to continue our conversation about women's college tennis. This is Perry Shining, On the Rise.